Hi, I'm Dan Nielsen. Welcome to this important session. We're delighted to have all of you with, with us, and uh, we're going to introduce ourselves and then get into a very, very important topic. I'm Dan Nielsen, uh, former hospital CEO, then was with VHA for 15 years, now Vizient, did national networks for senior executives all across America. Now I write books, interview people, uh, do a lot of moderation and facilitation, um, and just uh, try to keep myself out of trouble. I thank uh, Scott Becker and Jessica Cole and Mad Madeline Cummings for allowing me to do these sessions. It's a lot of fun and it keeps me involved. So we're delighted to have each and every one of you here. Let me introduce the, uh, the panelists, or I'm gonna ask them to introduce themselves. Just call on them. They're gonna tell you name, organization, area of responsibility, maybe one or two things about their organization just so that you get to know them a little bit. Cheryl, would you begin? Sure, thank you, Dan. So I'm Cheryl Cedro. I'm the Executive Vice President, Chief Business and Finance Officer at the University of Texas Medical Branch. Um, we are on an island, which is great, but presents all of its uh, unique problems as you've probably seen over the past summer. Um, our organization is one of 14 in the UT system. We have about 900 faculty, we're two and a half billion dollars, six hospitals, and about 13,000 employees. And um, I've been here about six years and my responsibilities are all things finance and some other business functions as well. So glad to be here today, thank you. Great, thank you so much. Scott. Thank you. Uh, yes, Scott James, um, the Chief Operating Officer and Senior Vice President for the Cancer and Surgery Service Lines at Parkview Health. I've uh, been here about eight years. Uh, we're in Northeast Indiana and uh, Northwest Fort Wayne. Uh, similar to Cheryl, we've got 13,000 employees, uh, largest uh, regional employer for us uh, in this area. Uh, specifically, uh, my day-to-day, -day, I'm, I'm serves the COO for the Parkview Cancer Institute, and then from a strategic part, working with the survey, surgery and cancer service lines. Great, glad to have you here today. How about Peter? Peter Banco, I'm the president and CEO of Centura Health. Uh, we're a joint operating agreement organization between uh, Advent Health based in Altamont Springs, Florida and Common Spirit Health based in Chicago, Illinois. I've been uh, I'm in my fourth year as CEO, fifth year here, and then 14 years with Common Spirit Health. Uh, $4 billion in revenue, 21,000 caregivers, 17 owned hospitals, 14 affiliated hospitals, and then we've got outreach to seven countries around the world in uh, what we call global health initiatives. Seven countries around the world. That must be an amazing experience. Yeah, that we're cut off. We've been cut off from since March, which is um, not, not good for them and not good for us either. Wow. Well, let's start off by... Um, this question, describe what it means to be an accountable leader in healthcare today. What behavior standards and beliefs are demonstrated? Let's start with Cheryl, please. Oh, thank you, Dan. Okay. So I think that, um, you know, COVID has certainly put a lot of, um, I guess, uh, the eye on us being able to, to look at whether we're good leaders or not. So um, I think there's just some basic tenets in being a good leader. Um, first and foremost, and I think most folks will agree, we need to tell our folks that the patient is always at the center of what we do, no matter if we're an academic medical center or a large health system as well. We need to be organizationally focused, so not just focused on, you know, maybe the area that we're over or a particular service line or something, but organization, what's the best for the total organization. 
And then we need to set the tone. We are the people that look um, that people look at to understand what's going on with the organization, and particularly now with COVID. Um, we do need to make sure that we're setting a really positive tone, that we're calm. Um, and then we also need to have all of those things that um, we know about. We need to be honest. We need to have some compassion and empathy. We need to be transparent. We need to be flexible and innovative, and particularly in this time. So I think that we also need to make sure that we surround ourselves with people that have common values and that um, share the organization's goals and strategies. So those are some of the basic things that I think are important in, in being an accountable leader today. Very important and a tall order, right? Yes, quite, quite so, yes. Absolutely. Scott, next, please. Yeah, and, and much to Cheryl's comments, um, you know, a couple of things I'd add to it. I think it's very important, especially today, to have that self-awareness and situa situ situational awareness coupled in that with your leadership component. I think it's um, uh, when you're talking about being accountable now more than ever, we're all going through different pieces, what COVID has hit outside of just our normal operational uh, components to that. So if you can take those areas that Cheryl's added to it, add some own personal awareness, but also your situational awareness, and then making sure you know, you're, you're training and working with your folks on being accountable. Uh, many organizations prior to COVID, it was there, but the accountability may not have been. So now it's going to accountability, but working with them to raise them up to that. That's great. You know, both of you ticked off uh, several very important points. I mentioned, I meant to mention this at the beginning and ask you, uh, can participants that are watching this call you or, or contact you in some way regarding something you've said to get a little bit more information? Is that okay? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Good. Great. I would say, especially if they're very accountable, they could apply for jobs. Oh, oh, remember who said that? Whoops, I'm pointing on my screen. Said very well. <laughs> oh, this is a recruitment session now, right? For good people. Accountable. Yes. Yeah. Peter, yeah. Always recruiting. Yeah, always a salesperson, right? So I would say they had, I agree with everything uh, Scott and Cheryl said, but I, I would just, kind of, for me, define it by three very well-honed skills or accountable leaders. First is they can, think systemically. So they're able to realistically say what's going on internally and they have an understanding of the external environment. Um, two, they have a fascination with the future and can make it appear like the future here in the present. And then last, and I think most important is they're able to mobilize and motivate others to take action. You know, if, uh, if you're not doing things, you're not really accountable at the end of the day. And so in that form, they have to really be both educators and action takers. Great points, great. Uh, Peter, let's stay with you and go to question two. <clears throat> Excuse me, is accountability among leaders uh, a given today or do you find yourself spending a lot of time and energy reinforcing this value? And if it's the latter, can you tell us what that looks like? Yeah, so, you know, I, accountability is such a broad term and we throw it around loosely and it has a different meaning within different organizations, teams, and cultures. So I find myself, I have to continually reinforce it for both myself and my team and sort of requires a time, energy, intentionality around it. So I'm a big disciple and maybe others are of Lencioni's uh, high-performing teams. So Account, you can't have accountability. It starts in his model of trust, conflict, and commitment. So 
you know, I think both Scott and Cheryl talked about this early. You've got to be transparent, honest, and the key part is vulnerable with others. You've got to be willing to engage in unfiltered and constructive dialogue, right? Being disagreeing without being disagreeable. And then leaders have to commit to a variety of things, right? One another, the direction and plan of the organization, and each decision along the way. So I think all that requires a lot of practice and coaching and development, which is really my role, but we also use outside resources. We, we have individual coaches, but also team coaches to help us hone those skills along the way. That's great. Couldn't agree with you uh, more for sure. Um, let's go to another question and it's this. What can weaken one's sense of accountability? Um, Scott, let's go with you. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, one thing, and Peter, I think was coming down that route too, is accountability is also a culture piece as well. And, and I think if you're in a culture that um, doesn't teach a mentor and and also accept accountability and power, you know, your 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 staff and your coworkers that's gonna weaken accountability amongst your leaders. And so as, as Peter stated, you know, our roles are to be those individuals to help drive, knock down those barriers, empower individuals, trust is important. Um, and if we're not giving that and we're not spending the time, not only with ourselves, but taking additional resources to provide that, it's gonna weaken individuals and in their accountability. Um, and, and if we're not instilling that in our culture, it's gonna struggle to move forward. Agreed. Cheryl, comments? So kind of on the first and then the second part of that question, you know, I think people come from all walks of life. So, you know, and I've, I've seen this a lot um, throughout my career, what's accountable to you may not be accountable to me in terms of, you know, what I think should be done. Um, I've been very fortunate to hire really good people and give them tools and resources and set up some, you know, guardrails, the, the, the rubber tires, if you will. And then you know, kind of let them go do their jobs. And I think that that's important. Um, I don't think that everybody comes from it at the same perspective that, um, that maybe, you know, the CFO may come at accountability a lot differently maybe than Peter and Scott come at accountability. Um, but I do think that if we see leaders that preach the preach and, but don't really walk the walk, then that certainly begins to take down people's trust in whether or not they are accountable themselves and whether the organization can be accountable. So I think, you know, we have to remember everybody is watching us. And as Peter and Scott both said, we have to make sure that we are walking the walk, talking the talk, and that we are continually helping people grow to be accountable and that we are accountable to people looking at us and say, hey, you said you'd do that, but you didn't. Why is that? And we have to be honest and vulnerable, as Peter said and uh, correct the situation. I think that's accountability as well. You know, I'm reading a book right now. Uh, since you made those comments, it just reminded me, I'm reading a book right now. It's called The Bezos Letters, 14 mm -hmm. Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon. Have any of the three of you read that book? Um, it, you might consider it, and I'm talking now, of course, to the audience. Uh, I have found this book to be excellent. and. Uh, I'm not preaching that Amazon is good, bad, or indifferent. Obviously, they are a super successful company, but I mean they believe in accountability up, down, sideways, every way, and to the point about having honest conversations and holding others accountable. They do that. I, I would recommend that you take a look at that book. I think that it uh, is excellent and really addresses 
from a different organization standpoint, many of the important principles and concepts we're discussing today. Let's go to Peter. What do you have on this, sir? The only thing I would add, it's more a piggyback is, you know, I think in our culture today, leaders, uh, government or healthcare business can be objectified. So we're almost like not human. So for me, um, it's important for, to create a sense of accountability is to be authentic. So being consistent, predictable, follow, as Cheryl said, follow up, follow through. So I would say just be human, be real and provide opportunities for connection because it's easy just to see us as a box on a Zoom and a head and someone saying something. So, you know, the follow through, but the humanity of leadership is important to accountability. Dan, can I add something to that? Of course. I, I, I think Peter hit on the head. I think when you see these questions and you see the word accountable, a lot of times your mind just goes straight to accountable metrics, marks, you know, that type of thing. And it really is. It is a broad component that encompasses really the, uh, the leader that has all of these different aspects. And when you see accountable, it's a, I almost think of honorable and servant and all these pieces that come with it, that that's the whole leader. And so to the audience in that piece is try not to get wrapped in that. Just this isn't accountable about metrics. It's much bigger than that. Exactly. It's an overall umbrella to success and joy and fulfillment in every area of life. Yeah. You know, may I add to that too, Dan? I'm sorry. Sure. Um, when I first came up, I came up in public accounting and I remember the, the world being a little bit more autocratic than it is now. Now it's very uh, relationship oriented and very teams oriented. And I think that that's added a lot of enrichment to how we do our jobs every day. Um, and it's taken a little bit, I'll be very honest, taken a little bit of a tick for me to go, you know, a different way because I grew up in a different environment. But um, so many young people that are just incredibly bright and have so much to offer us. And that's causing us to really think about ourselves, I believe, in a, in a team perspective. So just thought I'd put that out there. Do you enjoy the, the, this environment more than the latter? I do, I do. Um, I enjoy people feeling free that they can come to me and say, you know, I, behind a closed door, obviously still, but I enjoy people being able to come and say, you know what, I didn't like that. I don't think that's the right direction that we should go in. And, you know, we'll get together as a group and talk about that and we'll make some group decisions. We redesigned our entire finance team here not by bringing a consultant in, but by sitting down around a table and saying, what do we think today's finance world needs to look like so that we can do the best for the organization? It was a great process. Wouldn't have happened 25 years ago. Right. Not well, that I was working 25 years ago. <laughs> uh, a much healthier organization, which yes. is good. You know, we're in healthcare, right? Yes, that's right. Uh, the next question is important. It's sort of long, so bear with me. High reliability organizations are defined as those that operate in complex high hazard domains for extended periods of time without serious accidents or catastrophic failures. That's a pretty good definition. Uh, compared to any other businesses or organizations, what does creating and leading a high reliability organization in healthcare we require from its leadership? Peter, why don't we start with you? Yeah, we started on the high reliability organization journey just about two years ago and um, at that time, we did an assessment and, and a serious safety event was happening every three and a half days in our organization. Mm -hmm. So we were hurting, hurting someone every three and a half days. And early on in the process, we 
I met with our community boards and our leaders and physicians. And so when you say, I would ask the audience, stand up. I asked them the first time, stand up if you've had a serious safety event or um, death to a family member or close friend and 80% of the audience stands up. Sure. So that it becomes very personal. So for me, high reliability is an everyday work. It's, it's the number one responsibility of our community boards and our CEOs that journey to zero harm, but it, it requires that rigor and discipline of everyday work. So what it looks like for us and our caregivers is, you know, just culture. They're, as Cheryl said, they're able to open openly bring forward issues without fear of retaliation because, you know, not for me, 99% of the failures are system and process, not people. But so we have every shift every department huddles. We have an every morning hospital huddle. And then right after that, we have an every, uh, all of our operating groups have a huddle and then we have an enterprise-wide huddle. So our chief clinical officer every day knows exactly what's going on or could happen. My senior team reviews every single safety event, um, event near miss and trends every Monday morning. So this, um, we review it four hours on our Monday morning senior management team. So that road to zero for harm for me is a commitment from the CEO or board CEO and everybody on down that it's an everyday, uh, it's an everyday practice. It's part of how we do business. Peter, that's, that's really important. That's really good. I, I like the way, and, and frankly, I like the fact that you, you know, uh, admitted and said that, you know, we all have failures um, and everybody in the audience does also. Um, great points. Really appreciate it. Um, Scott, why don't you go next on this one? Yeah, thank you. Um, and a lot to agree with Peter as well. Um, some points that I had put down thinking through this trust, consistency, education, empowerment, uh, accountability, and support. Um, when you look at these type of organizations, uh, and it, it, going back to previous statement, culture, you know, if you're putting these in place and it's, it's, you've created a culture of this high reliability, putting the patient first, safety, no harm. Um, you know, our president and CEO, Mike Packnett, uh, makes this statement every time he gets on stage, and that's making sure that everyone that came to work leaves work the way they came. Same thing for our patients, you know, and, and, and working through that piece. So it's instilled in with us. Say that again, that, that phrase you said. Yeah, so and I, like I said, this is, this is Mike's. Um, he wants to make sure that every employee that comes to work goes home the same way they came to work. That's great. I like that. That's yeah. good. Cheryl? Um, I think, you know, that high reliability organization, you know, some things we learned in kindergarten, right, that you act as you are expected to act and that you're fair and you're just to other people. I think that goes a long way. We've talked a lot about, there have been a lot of adjectives we've used around that. I'm a big process person. Um, I think that getting to, you know, when, when there is a problem, um, examining the process, really digging deep and being tenacious about that, not just taking that surface um, view of maybe where the issues are, but there's so much wealth and, and um, ability to change things for the good if you'll not let somebody brush that off, but really get down and understand what the processes are and what you can do to change that. I think, again, relationships and teamwork are just essential in today's world. And uh, if you don't have that, you're not going to produce the high reliability um, outcomes that you really want to do. 
I think innovation and feedback, again, I'll, I'll say those things again, I think they're just terribly important for our success. That's great. We have about nine minutes left, just to give you that uh, information panel. Let me ask uh, another question, and then if we probably won't get to the other questions, because I'm also going to ask you if you have any closing thoughts. The question I want to ask is, you know, we hear about Silicon Valley all the time, fail fast, fail often, okay? With that kind of principle, uh, or, or the way that they manage and lead and operate, is that at cross-purpose uh, cross with the goals of a high-reliability organization? You know, how do you balance the need to innovate and try new things while preserving exceptional consistency? Peter, would you take this on first? Yeah, I think it all depends on what you're failing at. So if you're failing that patient and that family and that bed at that time, they are at cross purposes with one another. But, you know, if we're trying to innovate and try new ways to impact our community or deal with COVID-19 or connect with individual consumers or partner with our physicians or transform care in general, then I think we always have to understand we're not always going to hit a home run. And I'd rather make mistakes, fail fast, fail often, and we're ultimately going to fail. So um, we have to, I think, as leaders become more comfortable with embracing that failure. And that's the only way we're going to cultivate our people and grow our organization. So I, I think for me, it's a distinction 100% on the patient in the bed, but there, there are so many other aspects of our business that we can be innovative and fail fast and fail often and use HRO to apply to. Sure, and obviously implied in what you just said, there are levels of decisions. You know, there are crucial, almost mission crucial uh, decisions or whatever, and those are gonna be evaluated much more carefully and thoroughly than others that can go fast and fail and start over, learn and keep going, right? Right. Exactly. Okay, uh, Scott, would you take this one? Yeah, so um, I think Peter hit on the head another way I, I look at it. One, I back up when you say fail fast, fail often, that's always a struggle with healthcare leaders because you can go down a completely different route uh, in that direction. But I, I, I tend to look at this and it's, I think it falls along with Peter's sayings. You know, if when we're trying to be innovative, um, it's very common in our, in our healthcare world to get um, lost in meetings and continued discussions and, and not getting to places. So I tend to look at it and say, you know, if you can make, um, if 80% of your decisions are correct, but you, and you did it in a timely fashion. I want that over 100% of the decisions correct, but doing it over a span of two, three, four, five months, right? So, so we, we, we need to make the best decision we can with the facts and the objectives that we have, but we don't need it to be expanded out where we're delaying progress and innovation. Well said, thank you. Cheryl. So I would, I would say that I don't think they're at odds at all. I think that that's just one of the tenets, particularly in an academic institution. You know, we like to try a lot of different things. So I think that they are just completely compatible. Um, I will caveat, thank you, Peter, for that reminder. Certainly, you don't want to fail on a patient. But I do think that that innovation and um, the ability to learn and grow, I think that if you have good processes in place, that the processes will maintain your consistency. But when you don't have a good process in place, I think that, you know, failing fast and failing often is the way to solve that. Get after it and, and see what you can do to make things a little bit better. Great. You know, you're consistent in your remarks today, Cheryl. Process, <laughs> process, process. 
love it. Hopefully not boring, but there you go. <laughs> no, 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 that's great. I love it. Consistency is important, right? Okay, yeah. uh, we have five minutes left. Let's get some closing thoughts if you have any. If you don't, that's fine. Peter, could we start with you? Yeah, you know, I, th I think in these times that we find ourselves in and our discussion on accountability and high reliability, we're, we're people and we're whole people, right? Not just, uh, Scott talked about, we're not metrics. And um, so, so for me, I, th I think the part of accountability, high reliability and leadership in general is we've got to inject, we try too often to separate faith from that and spirituality. So I, I think faith needs a stronger connection in our lives and leadership and they need each other. And now where we find ourselves um, in communities and healthcare and business in our country, we need that now more than ever. Um, so the universal principles of love and kindness and listening and empathy need to be at the heart of accountability and HRO and, and frankly, everything we do. You know, I think that's one thing that's set healthcare apart over the years and secular organizations are all great and fine or whatever, but I think you've made an excellent point. And I would expect you to believe that based on the organization that you yeah, lead. Based on the cross right here, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's good. I'm all in favor of that. Scott? Yeah, and echo the same thing, Peter. I couldn't agree more. And, and those really come down to some of the foundational pieces. Um, the, the one thing I wanted to add, and, and this has been something that's been on important to me is is growth as leaders you know we all have opportunities to grow and uh, what I've found personally and 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 what I would ask others as you're as you're looking in to the future is the the virtual technology and just meetings such as this you know we've all sat in front of the board but we've all had the opportunity to read that body language see the emotion see how people are responding and how to be able to change in the midst of that meeting personally doing more telephone calls virtual calls not seeing every participant you're learning new skill sets. You're learning breathing, pausing, different points that you, you, this is the future and you need to adapt to it. And so if you haven't brushed up on those skills, that's another piece with leadership. I think that is really important in the future is being able to adapt in this current world that we're in and uh, just refine those skills. That's well put. We all should adapt, but it's not going to go back to normal, right? I mean, what Correct. we think is normal. So yep. it'll go somewhere, but it won't be back like it was for sure. Great point, Cheryl. So I just think I would echo what um, Scott and uh, Peter have said. I think during this time, you know, leaders have such an important and, and big opportunity to set the tone for their organizations. It's been a tough year. So how we actually approach that toughness and how we actually help people be calm in that situation if we can, I think is just really important. Um, you know, I was in Catholic healthcare for most of my career and that spirituality is incredibly important. And while it's here in the state organization, maybe we don't get to show it as much because we are, or we can't do that. But I agree, I think spirituality, just showing people that you care um, is just terribly important right now as well. That's great. Well, I think our time is up. I want to thank the panel. You have been excellent. I've loved the dialogue back and forth. Everyone is comfortable. Y'all are obviously pros in your areas of expertise. Uh, panelists, you can contact any one or all three of the panelists if you have additional questions or want to follow up in some way. I also want to thank Becker's Healthcare. I, I said earlier, Scott Becker is a personal friend of mine. Long story that I won't share with you, but I've uh, known him now for years, have high respect for him, as well as Jessica Cole, the CEO. If you haven't met her, you need to do that. Uh, she's a wonderful lady. 
And then, of course, Madeline Cummings, who's behind the scene making us all look good right now. Uh, we appreciate her. So thank you, Beckers, for doing this and what you do for healthcare. Panelists, thank you so much for being a part of this. And we should give the panel a hand. So a virtual hand would be good right now. Thank you so much for joining. And we'll see you down the road. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Appreciate it.